and welcome to The Bookmonger. I'm John J. Miller of National Review. Thanks for listening. This show is a production of National Review and we're recording from the studio of WRFH, the campus radio station of Hillsdale College. Our guest is Tracy Lee Simmons, author of On Being Civilized, A Few Lines Amid the Breakage. Tracy, welcome to The Bookmonger. Thank you, John. It's good to talk to you again. Tracy, what's in this book and why did you want to publish it? This book contains a collection of pieces over a 30-year span. And the idea was to find pieces that have some sort of direct or indirect bearing on the idea of civilization. And since civilization is such a, a large topic, it's hard to look at it directly as though you're looking straight at the sun. It's best seen by the reflections of civilization in books, in ideas, in art, and so forth. So when we were putting this book together, the editors and I, we were looking for pieces over that long span that had something to do, some bearing on the ideal of civilization. I loved going through this book. A lot of these pieces, I should say, originally appeared in National Review, but they're from all over the place. And they're learned and they're written with precision. They're just, they're just models of, of composition. Now, Thank you. in this collection of your essays and reviews, you have a kickoff piece called What is Civilization? So, Tracy, what is it? What is civilization? Well, as you probably saw in the piece, I wasn't able quite to define it. But as we often say, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. It's hard to say what civilization is exactly except without looking at the effects. But we probably need to say that the ideal of civilization involves not only uh, political and, and material uh, components, but also spiritual ones. Uh, civilized people are living for other things, other people, other ideals. That's why most civilizing epochs have been religious epochs. And secular epochs is a kind of decadence, a falling away from that. In this opening essay, you also write about the problem of anti-civilization. What do you mean by that? It's everything we see right now on most college campuses, though not up there. The effort of people to, I would say, sow chaos into the world, who want to tear down civilization, who tear down things that have been... I think uh, we, we find that in, in Goethe's Faust, this idea of that which is must be destroyed. That which has reigned must, must be destroyed. So that's anti-civilization. And there are people walking on the streets right now who are anti-civilizationists. They don't like what has been built over millennia. Uh, they think someone else can come along, perhaps themselves, and, and do a better job. But civilizations are organic. They don't really work that way. You can't really repot them. They have to be uh, built. And that's another side of civilization that uh, we don't teach enough about these days, that civilizations don't just happen. They're made and they're built. Your book is called On Being Civilized. How do we civilize ourselves? A lot of our listeners are probably hearing you talk about anti-civilization saying, well, I don't want that. I want to oppose that. I want to do the opposite thing. How can we become civilized? First of all, by desiring it. But the best way to desire it is to see examples of it. What have civilized people done with their lives? They've, they've become learned in, in their measure, not everyone's supposed to be a scholar. Not everyone's going to be a great scientist. But you begin by caring about the world you're living in. We have a phenomenon now, say, 
politically, this is just a subsection of what we, we just said, of people who talk only about their rights, but never about their obligations. But in any civilized world, rights do not exist without obligations. So a civilized world will balance both, but they'll certainly begin with the recognition that, that obligations come first and, and rights more or less arise from them. This anthology of your work contains several dozen pieces. Do you have a favorite? Probably that first one on what is civilization, simply because uh, I, I was being whimsical, really, in setting myself the task of explaining what civilization is and then falling on my face, quite, uh, quite on purpose, simply because we cannot quite define it. But as, at the end of that piece, you... You see that uh, at least we can set up the works. We, we, can, we can see the Sistine ceiling. We can listen to the B minor mass of Bach. We can read Moby Dick. You put all those things together, and they all point to a higher ideal and, and to higher aspirations. Give us a second favorite, then. Give us a flavor of, of the kind of review or essay that's in here. Is there another one you like? Well, I think um, I enjoyed the review of Dr. Arn's book on Churchill. This is, this is Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. You reviewed his book on Churchill. What makes that one special? Well, there are four pieces on Churchill in the book, uh, and there are more we could have chosen from, but the, the, they show different sides. Uh, I liked uh, what Dr. Arn did in that book. He talked about Churchill, the, the thinker, really. We don't tend to think of Churchill as a thinker as much as, as, a, as a doer, but all of his action in his life arose from the, the kind of man he made himself, from his reading, from his experiences, from his failures, and everything. And I think Dr. Arne has a marvelously prescient take on, on this. This is a message from our friends at American Habits from the State Policy Network. We the people, do you ever think about what that means and what happened to it? We the people certainly did not mean an imperial city full of unelected bureaucrats deciding everything from kindergarten curricula to nursing home funding formulas. We the people mean self-government, a free people deciding most things in their families and communities and delegating some authority to their towns and states while passing along just a small amount of that power to the national government. How did things get so upside down at American Habits? We tell stories of real people with real solutions, all working to restore federalism and self-government. If you're a public official, come get involved. If you're a citizen, Come and see the new standard for American leadership. No matter who you are, come help us renew the forgotten but not lost habit of American self-government. Visit AmericanHabits.org to learn more. That's AmericanHabits.org. One of the great themes of your book on being civilized is, is education, the importance of education, and also self-education. Oh, Yes. Well, we are all autodidacts. We all teach ourselves, and that's a basis of tremendous hope. A lot of people didn't learn much in school, uh, but that is not, uh, that should not be an occasion for despair. Uh, we can always teach, teach ourselves. And reading this book is a great way to get a kind of education, an idiosyncratic education. But you'll learn a lot about Churchill just by reading the pieces in it. And there are so many others that are, that are worthwhile. Tracy, you're well known as an advocate of Greek and Latin, studying those works in the original language. And this is the subject of an earlier book of yours called Climbing 
Parnassus. Give us the quick version of what is the importance of studying Greek and Latin in the original. And you've heard you've heard all the claims, right? They're dead languages. I'm never going to use them in the real world, et cetera, et cetera. What is the quick case for learning those languages? Where could I possibly begin? <laughs> uh, they they give us a kind of license to be uh, graduate students in a way of Western civilization. They take us back to the embryology of our civilization. And they, they give us a kind of intimacy with the thought of those people who gave us all those poems, who gave us those histories, who gave us all of that philosophy. I simply like the proximity that learning the languages gives. Now, that's not the only way to learn about the Greeks and the Romans. Um, if someone wants to learn about them without the languages, that's fine too. But I still think that we need a kind of baseline of, of, of learning where classical education begins with learning the languages themselves, or at least putting in some time. It's, it's okay if, if you don't keep those languages going. Some of us do, but as a wise Frenchman once said, he was asked if it's important for a civilized man to know Greek and Latin, and his response was, no, but it's important to have forgotten them. <laughs> There's a new book out called A Defense of Classical Education. You're not the author of it. The author is R.W. Livingston, but you've written the introduction to this new book. What is this book? Who is it for? How can listeners get it? Well, it's not a new book. It was published in 1916, uh, so over a century ago by an Oxford Don and scholar. And he was arguing for the languages, but also arguing for the cultural understanding of those two great cultures. Who is it for? It's for everyone who cares about education. Uh, he was speaking to his own time, of course, and, and that comes through in several different ways. But mainly, he's speaking for all time. That's what I think makes this, this book a kind of evergreen. And so when um, Memoria Press decided to uh, republish it, I was, uh, I was happy to write this introduction. In a, in a way, my own book is a, is a kind of updating of R.W. Livingston's book. The author is Tracy Lee Simmons. The book is On Being Civilized, A Few Lines Amid the Breakage. Tracy, thanks for joining us on The Bookmonger. Delighted, John. Thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please take a minute to leave a review. Your reviews help new listeners discover us, and that helps us keep this show going. We'll be back next week with a new episode of The Bookmonger.